Hey, what's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today, we're going to cover day 35, Leviticus chapters 13 through 15. In these chapters, it covers the law of cleansing a leper and a leper's house. And chapter 15 is going to cover the law of cleansing bodily discharges. And so the way we'll break this up and the way that'll be helpful in us remembering this would be to understand that chapter 13 is going to talk about the disease, not only in the person, but in the clothing and the diagnosis and the treatment. Now that we got a, a diagnosis and a treatment plan in place, chapter 14 is going to talk about how do you ritualistically cleanse after the cure of a serious skin disease? Because we have to remember when you desecrate something, it's not only about the person, it's about the place because this place is now holy. And if God is going to dwell there, you can't just take care of the person. You have to take care of the garments and the place. So let's grab some of these. It starts out in chapter 13 saying, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priest. The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body, and if the hair in the infection has turned white, and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of the body, it is an infection of leprosy. So those are the two things that you'll see coming up again and again. If the hair is white, in the infection, or if it's deeper than the skin, then you'll have prescriptions like this in verse four. If the bright spot is white on the skin of the body and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin and the hair on it has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate him who has the infection for seven days. So you see a treatment plan still enacted, but it's different for the person who is not leprous. He's to be separated for seven days. And in verse five, it says that you bring them back to the priest. And I want us to notice the environment of the priest in all of this, which kind of makes sense with our talk with the ephod and the Urim and Thummim. Remember, he's to make all of these decisions. Now our supernatural stone doesn't seem so far-fetched and weird when you have millions of people and they're coming at you, throwing all of these cases at you. You're not only a physician, you're a theologian. You're not only a theologian, you're handling the sacrificial system. Not only that, you're going before God. It's so much that the priest has to do. No wonder God calls the people to take care of them because their job is 24-7 nonstop. And we see how they operate. Let's just grab verse 15. So if raw flesh appears on a person, he shall be unclean. And it says, the priest shall look at the raw flesh and he shall pronounce him unclean. The raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh turns again and is changed white, then he shall come to the priest and the priest shall look at him. And behold, if the infection has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce clean to him who has an infection. He is clean. So notice the difference between the white infection and skin versus a white hair in the infection. 
if you have a white hair in the infection, that's concerning. But if you have white skin, that's evidence that the person is healing. And you constantly see the environment of the priest. Verse 25, the priest shall look at it. Verse 26, the priest looks at it. Verse 27, the priest shall pronounce. Verse 31, but if the priest looks at the infection of the scale, then indeed it appears to be no deeper than the skin and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate the person with the scaly infection for seven days. If we look at verse 47, we start to deal with the garments worn by an infected person. And now you get language around how the priest and the people are to deal with that and how the garment would mold. In fact, look at verse 47, where it starts the conversation. It says, when a garment has a mark of leprosy in it, whether it is a wool garment or a linen garment, and if the mark is greenish or reddish, in the garment on the leather, the leprous mark shall be shown to the priest. Then the priest shall look at the mark and shall quarantine the article with the mark for seven days. Then he'll look at it on the seventh day. And if the mark has spread, then the garment shall be burned. But if it does not spread, then the garment can be redeemed. It can be washed. So chapter 13 is summed up at the end of the chapter. And this is a good tool you can use for these laws regarding leprosy and cleansing and bodily fluid. You'll get a good summary statement at the beginning and at the end. So at the end of chapter 13, it says this is the law for the mark of leprosy in a garment of wool or linen, whether in the warp or the wolf or in the article of the leather for pronouncing it clean or unclean. So moving into chapter 14. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest. The verse three, the priest shall go outside the camp. And so let's talk about this because we talked about the tabernacle and in the tabernacle, we have the most holy place, the holy place and the courtyard. But once you get outside of the tabernacle, there's an entryway of the tabernacle. We haven't talked about this much. So outside of the tabernacle is the camp. That's where all of the people are. So God is in their midst and all of the people are outside of that. You're two to three million people. But then outside of that, it's where you would put the lepers. And so this is what I mean as if you were looking at Israel from the outside, you could see something strange going on. People keep getting put in and out of the camp. What's going on there? What's going on is they're a holy people and they have a holy God in their midst and they're treating a holy God as if he's holy. Look at verse 19. This is what I wanted to talk about while we had to get Leviticus one through five down. Look at what the priest does in verse 19. The priest shall next offer the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Then afterwards, the priest shall offer up the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. You see how it's becoming a language within a language now? You just took three offerings and mixed them together. But now you have a good foundation of the five. So when they do this, when they mix three, you can just jog your memory of the five main and grab those three and say, okay, God is communicating something with these three. 
and the priests are to offer these three. Verse 21, but if the poor and his means are insufficient, such a good God, always looking out for his people, always looking out for the poor, quite different from prosperity gospel, which says we should eradicate poverty. God is taking care of the poor, not looking down on them, saying you need to get rid of your disease. No, he's taking care of them, saying if your means are insufficient, then he is to take one male lamb for a guilt offering and as a wave offering to make atonement for him and one tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil and a grain offering and a log of oil and two turtle doves and two young pigeons, which are within his means. The one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. Again, this section is wrapped up in verse 32. This is the law for him in whom there is an infection of leprosy, whose means are limited for his cleansing. And then we move into cleansing a leprous house. And you get a summary of cleansing the house in verse 54. It says, this is the law for any mark of leprosy, even for a scale and for the leprous garment or house and for a swelling and for a scab and for a bright spot when they are unclean and when they are clean. This is the law of leprosy. And lastly, we get cleansing of bodily discharges. And I want to be careful here because I don't know what kind of innocent ears I have listening with me because I know some people engage in family devotions around these devos. But I do want to honor the word, but I don't want to create unnecessary conflict in your home when you may not be ready to get so in depth with these topics with your loved ones. So. In summarizing what's happening here in verses two through 18 is dealing with male discharge. And you'll see a lot here. It talks about how a person will be unclean until the evening. And it picks up in verses 19 through 30 dealing with female discharge. The same there that the female will be unclean until evening or if there's menstrual impurity. She'll be unclean for seven days and whatever she touches or sits on, she'll be unclean. And this is verse 21. If anyone touches her bed, you will wash the clothing and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And verses 31 through 33 sums this up. It says, you shall keep the sons of Israel separated from their uncleanness so that they will not die in their uncleanness by their defiling my tabernacle. That is among them. This is the law for the one with the discharge and for the man who has a seminal emission so that he is unclean by it. And for the woman who is ill because of her menstrual impurity and for the one who has a discharge, whether a male or female or a man who lies with an un unclean woman. So what's happening here? Let's remember not to disconnect ourselves from the bigger picture. What's the bigger picture? Let's not detach from the purpose of all of this. Why are we looking at leprosy and skin diseases? Because God demands holiness. He demands holiness not only in public life, he demands holiness in your private life. And this is so critical, not only for leadership, but for every believer in Christ we shall be holy people 
not only in our public lives, but in our private lives, because God is concerned about both, not just in the glorious and grand things of life, but even in the mundane, in the trivial areas of life. You must dedicate those to God because he deserves and demands your trust. And so Israel is to model this for all the other nations that they are to be holy in both public life and in private. And remember, the law is to teach. And what is it teaching? We take life seriously. Anytime you're dealing with emissions, those are the things of life. And anytime you're dealing with blood, those are the things of life. And God is proclaiming that Israel, listen, we are a pro-life nation. The things pertaining to life are sacred to us and we value them because we are an anti-fall and we are an anti-death nation. And we're going to proclaim to the world that we're going back to Eden. We're going back to rest. And Israel gets to model this well. They're to be holy for he is holy, not just in the glorious and grand things of life, but even in the mundane, in the trivial areas of life. You must dedicate those to God because he deserves and demands your trust. So let's wrap up here and you're not going to want to miss next time. We get one of the most important chapters in Leviticus, which talks about the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur. Catch you next time, guys. Peace.